Hello guys, Jack here from Jack Makes Happy Hour Podcast, and yes, the rumours are true, we're heading back out on tour in May 2024. 68% of the tickets are already sold out, but there are still a few left at Edinburgh, Newcastle, Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, Cardiff, Sheffield, Nottingham, Bristol, Bury, and our home city of Norwich. So, don't waste any time, grab your tickets today, and come and watch me, Alfie, and Robbie live. And me. Mainly me, Alfie and Robbie there, isn't it? Yeah. uk. See you in May. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Nice to see you. Yes, Yes, it it is. is. (laughs) The way I first discovered you is Balls of Steel. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Great show, great show. In fact, I was thinking about that, and I wondered whether you'd ask me about that just because I watched your Psychics video the other day, and I was like, damn it, that is something we would have done on Balls of Steel. Tom Cruise (laughs) has his favourite fucking cake in the world. It's this amazing cake. But because he's always making Mission Impossible films, he can never eat it because he's got to be in physical, like, perfection. Yeah. And so he sends it to people he's worked with and friends as a gift every Christmas so he can live vicariously knowing people are eating this cake. <laughs> and I made it onto that fucking list. <laughs> when me and Fee first got together, we played that game where it was like, oh, if you could sleep with anyone like, and you have to have a pass. Oh, your list. Be? Yeah. And I went Margot Robbie. She went for Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I remember once having to interview Bruce Willis and before me in the queue were Little Ant and Deck and they were all like Bruce Willis and they were being psyched up by their producers like oh have fun do your shtick fuck knows what they did but they went in about two minutes later or five minutes not ten minutes two minutes later they came out and they were crying what? (laughs) (laughs) they were in tears People sometimes are like, do you, do you watch yourself? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely I do. It's not a vanity thing. It's mm. like I'm doing it to see what I did well and what I did bad. And so, you know, right. when I've got a lot of friends around and they're all having a good time, I'll turn the music off, I'll tell them to shut up, and I'll put on a show. <laughs> and I'll be like, "What? watch this, because uh, I think this is actually really good. <laughs> put on Balls of Steel episodes <laughs> 2005. The, the last time I went to yours, we watched your videos for about an hour straight. <laughs> Did we? Yes, sat in your living room. You just kept going, oh, oh. <laughs> roast my viewers part two. What a classic. Let's put that on. There's no shame in that. I've done the same. Jack Mates Happy Hour. Hello, guys, and welcome back to Jack Mates Happy Hour. We are we're fully in the swing of season four now, aren't we? We're doing well, uh, but I think this is probably our first guest who's not a YouTuber on this season. Am I right? You are right. 
It's yeah. uh, it's funny man, mm-hmm. film critique, mm-hmm. podcast host, <laughs> presenter. Yep. It's Alex Zane. Hello, guys. How well, are you? Alan Zone. Alan Zone, yeah. We'll get to that later on. Thanks for coming in, mate. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Now, you, you're a podcaster. I am. And you're on the other side of, like, the interview seat today. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie, I feel a little unnerved. This is unusual for me. I'm not used to being interviewed. And the reason I'm sitting here with an A4 pad, which is, I know, unusual and has raised a few eyebrows already, is because mm. I've done the same amount of prep that I would do for interviewing someone else, but about myself. And also, I've watched your face right. so much <laughs> in the last seven days in preparation for this. See, well, I'm nervous because of that prep, because as you'll soon realise... Don't really do much well, of that. That's why you don't need to be nervous. <laughs> if he's watched it, yeah. he knows. <laughs> well, like, well, I've actually had a few comments recently on the channel going, "Do you not know anything about the guest?" But I always, I don't know if this is like a trick of the trade. Probably not, because you're a professional. When people like cuss me up for not doing the research, I'm like, I'm doing the research on the show. I'm finding out about <laughs> you then. So, if, th- if I over prepare, I won't seem surprised when I learn something new, which is everything they tell me. <laughs> well, this is going to be new. What's your go-to meal deal? Uh, my go-to meal deal. I've never had a meal deal in my entire life. What? Well, I get from Leeds. I feel there's a trap. I think anything that's put on a platter like that, like there is something of benefit. If you have an egg sandwich with this or whatever, are we talking about a boots meal deal or anything? Yeah. Deal? Anyway, yeah. Right. Tesco. Right. It's, it's because obviously they see you come and they go, oh, "We got a lot of egg sandwiches. Stick it in the meal deal." And then suddenly, it's like, <laughs> oh look, an egg sandwich for two pound fifty and a drink and packet of crisps. I'll have the egg sandwich. And then you're eating old egg sandwiches. I don't think you know about meal deals. Why? Because uh, does he know about the elephant smoothie hack? Uh, yeah. Do you know you know you know an innocent smoothie? I'm aware of them. It's about two quid on its own. Yeah. Maybe two fifty some places. Mm. You can get that in a meal deal. That essentially means you can get a sandwich and a snack for fifty p. And if you don't eat the sandwich but just have the innocent smoothie, that's the advantage. I'm, my worry, my worry is purely health based. It's like egg goes <laughs> off quickly. <laughs> I, I have always said you shouldn't really be getting an egg in a sandwich. I can't, I can't eat cold egg. I'm not about that. Right. Well, I mean, I don't eat egg anymore because I'm a vegan. Uh, oh, you're a vegan yeah. now, how, see? How which... fast is it to, for a vegan to be on the show and go, by the way, I'm a vegan? <laughs> <laughs> and that also shows how little research I've done, because I'm sure <laughs> I could have found that out. Any, yeah, anything I googled, I didn't see vegan anywhere. No, because I tend not to, as I've just disproved, mm. I tend not to mention it. You know, it's just something personal <laughs> to me. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to make it a feature. But you brought up cold egg, and mm. I used to love cold egg. Egg mayonnaise, poor, you make that at home, marvellous. Re- this is a very standard question. Question, but what do vegans eat? <laughs> <laughs> just any anything we can forage. Really. You know, I spent half an hour in the park across the road just now looking for dinner. So we, you, you, I was about to say we, we did. We, we did. Yeah, because I, I, I clocked that hanging out of Alex's bag as soon as he walked into the studio. Now the listeners won't know right away what we're describing. Stevie, do you want to reveal it? It's a bit of a cardinal sin here. I'm happy hour. He's gone for a sparkling water, right? Oh, that, that's it. That's what's that about? <laughs> you've, what? you've changed. What happened to that boy from Leeds? Yeah, it's like you in an interview. It's still all new to me. I'm still just arrived in London. Sparkling water. Oh, what is this magic? Right, okay, we'll get on to it. We'll, we'll forget your meal deal because you fucking don't know what one is for some reason. <laughs> Alex, you, um, is a presenter your main trade, would you say? 
Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, yes, it's a weird word, presenter, because uh, I am by definition a presenter. But for me, a presenter is someone who turns up and reads other people's words. So I've only ever written anything I've ever presented on TV. So, yeah, I am a presenter, but more so now than ever. I'd, 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 li- I'd like to call myself a movie broadcaster <laughs> because it sounds better. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I guess I am a presenter, yeah. You, you, you're quite, you're quite well, well respected. You work for Sky Movies and all stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah, Sky Cinema. Now, as of about two years, but never mind. It's all right. <laughs> we should, uh, all downhill from here. Well, but what, the, the the way I first discovered you, which I think is um, most people like our age discovered you, is Balls of Steel. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, great show, great it, show. In fact, I was thinking about that, and I wondered whether you'd ask me about that just because I watched your Psychics video the other day, and I was like, damn it, that is something we would have done on Balls of Steel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if we could go back in time, maybe I'd have a little segment on there. I imagine you would. You 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 did you did game shows, didn't you? Yeah, we did like Alex mm. Zane's Brain Game, mm. Alex Zane's Observation Cleverness game. game. Yeah, I mean, it was a benefit that Zane rhymes with game. So, uh, <laughs> they, that's like, but that's like themselves. That's how you do YouTube. You you pick a title first, and you work backwards. So uh-huh. That's literally how you, how you do YouTube. Yeah. So you were doing it right back in the day. Just remembered, Stevie, I forgot to do our fucking intro that I said we were going to do. Yeah, he said that he was going to do your classic intro Nice to see you. Shows. Yes, it, it is. is. <laughs> that would be lovely. Oh, what a missed opportunity. I know, because did you, you did you voice note your brother? Yeah, but when back in the day when Balls of Steel was around, uh, I remember the first ever time we saw that. And as soon as you said, nice to see you, obviously... You know why you made the joke. <laughs> we expected you to go down that way, and as soon as you said yes, it is. Your brother, we were just pissing ourselves. Your brother's really giddy that you've. Um... Yeah, so I messaged him earlier, and he's going, "You have to do it to him." And I was like, "Jack will," and then he hasn't. I haven't done it, but we can we can clip the bit that we just did there, put it put at it. the start. So, Katie, it's all on you now. If if uh, we don't start with that, it's your fault. Alex, was that the first bit of like proper TV that you that you did? Uh, yeah, I get. I mean, MTV might like to call themselves proper TV, but. Uh, but it's, the, it's the, like you say, it's the first bit of TV that I did that most people saw. So I'd started on MTV in about 2002 and Balls of Steel came along a couple of years later, maybe two or three years later. Mm. And they asked me to do this game show segment on that. And then a lot of people went, that's that's brilliant. Mm. And it's one of those shows that I love and I think it finished too soon. We did three series in total and I once bumped into the commissioner who'd axed it in the end. Mm. And he quite openly went, yeah, I think, uh, I think I maybe went too early on that one. I'm like, yeah, you did. Like, yeah. People still talk about that show. It's like a cult classic, mm. really, isn't it? Do you think it, they'd be able to do it now? Like, do you think society would allow certain aspects of that show to be aired? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think so. It's a it's a good question because we actually tried to take the show to America. So I flew to New York to make a pilot for American TV. Mm. And uh, it's first of all, uh, America is weird uh, when it comes to making TV because... Mm. You had to call the show Balls of Aluminum, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> don't know if that works, is it? You yeah. can say steel in America. <laughs> Stevie's just got it two minutes later. <laughs> right, sorry to interrupt you, mate. Go on. So you took it to... We took it to America and uh, they were like... Uh, the weirdest thing was, so I was doing my game shows uh, exactly as they were done uh, in the UK and people were coming in and we were trying to do the pranks on them and people were answering 
watching in exactly the same way as in, on the UK game show. Mm. And so I, I was like, with my producer, I'm like, what the hell's going on? And he's like, I've just spoken to them. They've hired actors to replicate the pranks. So to answer like the genuine people did in the UK, because they think it'll work better. Like oh, that. my God. So they get the same show. I'm like, stop this immediately. That kills the whole yeah, the idea. The whole point of it. So for anyone listening who doesn't know the idea, I, I guess you can explain it better than I can. But Well, yeah, we took game show formats and then just fucked with people is as, as simple as it is. So you do like mastermind and you mm. get these geniuses on who know a subject inside out and you'd ask them a question and they'd say the right answer and then you'd go, I'm sorry, that's wrong. Yeah, uh, like we had the guy. The famous guy was the Anne Frank's Diary guy. I don't think is that that guy. Yeah, That's what we were watching earlier. So. I know no, so. <laughs> Gosh, it. Yeah, Ray. He was the only guy in all of the ones we ever did who refused us to use the footage. He was like, absolutely not. And uh, in the end, they paid him some money. Um, uh. He was like, he was like absolutely. So, I was going to say, what's the moment like when you tell them? Because I remember the couples game where the woman stormed out and wasn't happy about the lie detector results yeah yeah in the end it's just relief and it's in that moment when you because you do you think you're going insane and with that one in particular she was like my boyfriend this is unbelievable my boyfriend hasn't been cheating on me this machine is lying mm. and it's like oh, fuck, of course it fucking is <laughs> but, but she didn't know and then the minute you go haha balls of steel and they're like oh fuck thank fuck that's amazing yeah the problem was by the reason i did season three in america was doing we started doing it in the uk and people would come in and see me and go oh it's balls of steel brilliant and you're like now you can't be on it. And they'd be like, no, 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 no I'll play along. I'm like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I assume they just thought they were going on like an actual yeah. game show. Yeah. Then... I mean, what you never saw on the, the show was because to to reel people in, as with any prank, as, as you did on the sidekicks thing, you have to start at least in a realm of reality. So like people have to believe they're on a game show. So what, what never aired was I'd spend half an hour playing a fucking dull game show with them oh. where we were doing everything right and they do two rounds and they'd be playing along and thinking this is all normal and only then after about half an hour of straight game show hosting which I could never do in the real world because it's the most tedious thing ever yeah. how fucking Bradley Walsh does it I've no idea, <laughs> I've no idea. He, I think he does like three apps a day doesn't he um, I mean honestly I mean the, the guy must be going home and like stabbing a pig carcass in his garage he must be <laughs> you insane. love the chase don't you yeah I love the chase but that doesn't mean that I, I could do what he does <laughs> no, no no but uh, but so we do that and then and only then could you start messing with them. Wow, I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Because like you just quite rightly said, with the psychic thing, I had to have like a normal chat with yeah. them for about 20 minutes and then start fucking at the end. And that, that fucked my phone bill up. But uh, what do you think? Because you said about, <clears throat> would it still work now? Like yeah. the concept of the show. Yeah. is There's some... Uh, I don't know. It was 2005, was yeah, it? Yeah, I Two, think so, yeah. So I would have been 12 and I was watching that show and I feel like all my mates grew up watching that show yeah. we were far too young to, you had the big gay following <laughs> yeah. yeah the militant black guy yeah. like the devil guy bunny boiler yeah yeah. Nedge, Nedge is urban sport yeah everyone loved Nedge he's, he's, yeah. I think he's doing Facebook content now is he really yeah, yeah. He, I think he was one of the people because the, the format went uh, all over the world I think but uh, it went to Australia and I think Nedge went out there to do his urban sports in Australia it went to Sweden mm. and and they started filming series one and basically nearly caused a diplomatic incident with the Swedish Prime Minister and it was axed before it aired. Um, <laughs> yeah, so maybe it wouldn't work today. <laughs> but the one thing the one thing that makes me think it might not, because in America we made the pilot and then because America is such a litigious country, like mm. they will just sue the ass out of you if they, they, they can claim like I was psychologically damaged by yeah. 
that prank. So yeah. they can the, no channel would insure it. No channel would insure the show. So it um, it died a death before it aired. There was one where. Did you say Neg? Nedge? Nedge. Nedge. Didn't he, uh, you just told me, I've never said, I've not seen this one, but you said he ran in the building and was like, everyone get on the floor, everyone get on the, and then just counts how many people were on the floor. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that wouldn't, that wouldn't go well in America at all. Yeah. In England, you could probably still do it. It just, yeah. there, there would be the... Bring it back, Alex. Place. Get in touch with the powers that be and bring yeah? it back. All right, yeah. done. done. <laughs> <laughs> did you, um, very cliche question, but did you always want to be a presenter or did you have different dreams? Because your Wikipedia did say that you studied medicine. Bit of research. That, that's his research, <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> and, it's, and your Wikipedia, by the way, is the worst. It's, it's, <laughs> it says you, on, on your Wikipedia, it says you did RuTube for about four series. Mm. So we went on like a different website. It's 11 or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, we did it for a decade, yeah. yeah. Wikipedia is weird. Like, some people's are updated, and mine mm. sounds like I died in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's not, it's, I've not worked since 2011. Mm. But you try and call it Wikipedia, which I have done, and go, hello, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Just, you know, just because you are a resource and, you know, I do want to carry on working, maybe you could update this so it doesn't look like I just have disappeared. Mm. And they're like, mm, yeah, no. It's, <laughs> it's volunteers work, so you have to email us. And you then, could even you, do it, though. You, you, could, you can't know because I, I did that. If you edit your own Wikipedia page too much, because I was like, I'm going to just add sort of like the rest of my career to yeah, this. And, that's fair enough. And they deleted it and then locked it so um, I can't edit my own page now. So, yeah. So, what? I know. I know. <laughs> So, we our, our Wikipedia's changed. No, we don't have a Wikipedia. Have a Wikipedia. Oh yeah, right. We don't uh, have a Wikipedia, but we use we use a little flag whenever we tweet about happy hour. Mm. It's like a little yellow flag, and it's got like a Union Jack in the corner. It's the Isle of News New Newy Newy's flag. We just took that. So when you go to the uh, when you go to that country's <laughs> Wikipedia, it just says like um, this. It describes the flag, and then it says it's the country's national flag and the icon for Jack Mays happy hour. <laughs> but it says stolen by. Oh yeah, and then it says. Um, the Isle of Nui are yet to comment on this. <laughs> what, are the, what are they going to say? Citation oh. needed. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to know what their president's favourite meal deal is. So have, a, have a proper crossover. He loves an egg sandwich. <laughs> um, the, the thing I remember, was, I can't remember which newspaper it was, there was a sports journalist writing for one of the tabloids, one of the red tops, and... England were playing, you might know this story, England were playing a, a, a very small football team mm. and uh, someone had basically gone on and re-edited this country's football team page and just made up a lot of shit. Right. And it was reprinted in the mirror the following day as facts because the guy had just gone, don't know anything about them, <laughs> Wikipedia. Oh, he, 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 he once went into space. Brilliant. <laughs> that is definitely San Marino. I think it's San Marino. I'd say San Marino. Did you ever see the clip of the... Because uh, I take it you're not a football fan. How could you tell? <laughs> <laughs> there, was a fo- there was a footballing nation, I think it was like Algeria or something, did you ever see that when their national anthem played out and they were playing? Oh, when it did a different song. Uh, they, yeah, they accidentally played um, "Numb." You know, uh, uh, Lincoln Park. You could see all the players laughing straight away. Though, yeah, but. just crack up. Right, let's, let's strip it back. Strip it back. So you're a young lad mm. from Leeds. Yeah. you've got dreams and aspirations. I do. What are they? What were they? Yeah, I was going to be a doctor, wasn't I? Yeah, right. I was, I, like I, I was because I, I did my research. Remember, <laughs> remember that this, yeah. this is a two-way stream today. Two-way stream. Uh, I, uh, I did my research as well, and you were a bit of a nerd at school. I read. Okay, that's what it said. Yeah, it yeah. said. It, said. I, it was just because think... I didn't have a choice. I was ginger, so right. it's like that's your place okay. in, in the school hierarchy. Yeah, are we flipping this on me now? No, I'm just, <laughs> just, just asking a question. Just finding some common ground between us. Well, I wanted to be a presenter, right? And I know you are one of the country's most successful presenters. So, Thanks. was that always your aim? 
No, because I was a proper geek at school, uh, but mine was self-inflicted because I was the only kid at my school. I went to a massive comprehensive school in Leeds, 2,000 kids, and I was the only kid, through choice, mm. that carried a briefcase. So, oh, God. So I, Sparkling water. You haven't changed, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had, but you haven't. Yeah, I used to put water in a soda stream, put it in my briefcase, be like, sparkling water. <laughs> One day I won't have to make it myself. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I was uh, I was a real geek at school and um, did science. And then I didn't know what I wanted to do. And everyone was like, oh, you did science. Do you want to be a scientist? And I'm like, no fucking way. Mm. And they were like, well, medicine. And so I started on the course to uh, be a doctor and got all the way to medical school uh, before I realised it was a lot of work. Yeah, uh, Is that because it was just like, that's what you thought you should do, like yeah. a path in that? Because I didn't really have an idea. But by the time I got there, I'd started doing stand-up comedy mm. and... I really loved it and it was great fun and it didn't uh, involve like understanding what histology was uh, which it's I, a plus yeah which I still don't uh, so yeah at the end of my first year at medical school um I sat down with the dean of students mm. got my exam results in front of her and we agreed that I should get the fuck off her property as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> what, was your, what was your first gig like? How does a med- medical student just one day go, fuck it, I'm going to be a comedian? Because like, when, when I was about so 18, 17, 18, it was when stand-up comedy had started to become pretty rock and roll. Like Eddie Izzard had just right. was the biggest comic on the planet. Yeah. And it was someone who suddenly was doing stuff that I was like, this is amazing. Like this is the imagination, the surrealism. And I saw that and I was like, I want to give that a go. Mm. And so I did. And I was shit. Uh, was you? The first gig was the worst. Yeah, but everyone's first gig's the worst, isn't I know, it? I know, but that's that's the arrogance that you have to have to do stand-up. <laughs> a lot of comedians tend to say that they were a class clown, but it doesn't sound like you were if you carried a briefcase. No. And did medicine. No, but it, what that does is uh, trains you to deal with hecklers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, a lot of comedians were often on the other end of it, so you have to get thick skin and yeah, then yeah. learn how to, to flip it on, yeah. on them. I mean, it's the it's, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's like you use humour as a defence mechanism when people have sticks and rocks. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. What, what what were we saying before that? I've I've lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, your first your first gig. Mm, yeah, it was, uh, do you know Leeds at all? Uh, I've only been to the festival. Okay, mm. that's that's a bit outside Leeds. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. So now then, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Leeds City Centre mm. is just like Leeds Festival. Uh, it, more concrete, less tense. Mm. But uh, yeah, I did a gig in a pub uh, called the Dry Dock in Leeds. If anyone knows Leeds, which is a very a long barge. Uh, which is the worst room to do comedy in because the people at one end have no idea what's going on on the stage. So you're shouting over this crowd. And, yeah, it didn't go well. But then I did another gig in Manchester and um, and ended up in the Edinburgh Festival as part of this stand-up comedy competition. Mad. Um, and it sort of kind of snowballed from there because I was in Edinburgh when um, MTV, and it is, it's one of those things. Well, and I used to sort of rally against this because when people go, oh, you know, you're lucky to get where you are. You're lucky. And you're like, fuck that. No, it's it's hard work and mm. it's talent. It is luck. Uh, <laughs> they are right. And for anyone who I've ever gone, shut your fucking mouth. It's not luck. I was wrong. <laughs> time uh, has proved you right because MTV were in the room and they were like looking for presenters and they were like, you're young and vaguely funny. Mm. So why don't you come down and screen test? And that's how I got the gig on MTV and... Everything kind of snowballed from there. Wow, that's fair enough. Did you? Did you? I read that you were handpicked by Ricky Gervais to. Yeah, is that is that so? Friend of the show, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's been on. Yeah, he's great. Uh, mm. Yeah, he well, he was uh, he was working at XFM, and we shared an agent. And uh, again, you know, it's it is one of those things, you know, uh, like 
luck has something to do with it. Mm. And apparently the age-old adage, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm. Uh, there is some weight in that as well because um, we shared an agent and he was working at XFM and I just got a call from him going, do you want to maybe do a pilot for XFM? It wasn't just an open door, like, come on, you've got the breakfast show, off you go. Yeah. He was like, they're looking for well, he, called, he called you directly, did he? Yeah. Oh, wow. Was that a strange then- call to receive? I'd met him a few times, so it wasn't that strange. But yeah, it was still really nice. And this is obviously this is pre The Office, so oh this is, wow, this is going back that far. Yeah. So he was just a mere scumbag back then. Uh, I'm <laughs> his like, podcast days. Yeah, Ricky, I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> Two thousand and two rolls around. Actually, <laughs> now I'm like Ricky's not taking my calls. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you've done radio. You've done all kinds of presenting. You've done TV. What's your, what's your, what's your favourite? Because I've actually seen you work live before i've been to a few movie premieres you seem to do you cover a lot of them that's good yeah Mm. um yeah have you been have you seen me on stage at those yeah yeah Yeah. they're they're hard work yeah (laughs) i bet yeah um i i you know i do count myself as lucky which again is like something i wouldn't have said 10 years ago Mm. but uh it's it's great to work at Sky Cinema, because I love film. I've always loved film. Like, mm. film is like, you know, from the reason I don't like football is because, like, all of the other kids were out playing football in the sunshine. I drew the curtains and watched sci fi movies, and that's why I was a very pale child mm. with very big eyes. Uh, so I watched, <laughs> I like, honestly, like a, a Morlock, like, locked away watching movies. But from like age five onwards, I've just always loved films. Do, and do so you, now doing that is great. But it seems stressful because, like, them kind of nights, like those kind of red carpet kind of like premieres and whatnot they're they're very enjoyable when you when you're at them mm. but you're working them like so do you can you do you actually get time to actually be like i'm enjoying the night or is it more of just like i'm in work mode well i guess it's like anything it's work mode because like anything you do you sort of you basically end up sort of judging it against you know whether you think you've done a good job so mm. it's not like uh, Doing Tom Cruise ones are good. So the reason I love those is because when I was still a student at Goldsmiths in London, after I dropped out of medical school, I realised that I needed some money. So I went back to uni to do media and I I was walking through Leicester Square and it was the premiere for, I think it was maybe Vanilla Sky. Right. I'd never seen a premiere before. And I sort of pushed my way to the front and like Tom Cruise was doing the line and somehow like our paths crossed just as I got to the front. He was shaking hands and he shook my hand and I was like, Fucking mind blown. I went straight back to the halls of residence. I was like, oh, you're never going to guess who I just touched. I just touched Tom Cruise's hand. Tom Cruise's hand. And now, like, flash forward, like, you know, 15 years, and he asks for me personally to host his premieres when he comes to London. And, wow. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. So I'm on his cake list, you know, the Tom Cruise cake list, where, so, oh, so Tom Cruise, I'll tell you the cake list because... It's quite an interesting thing. Tom Cruise has his favourite fucking cake in the world. It's this amazing cake. It's like coconut and vanilla. It's, oh, it's gorgeous. But because he's always making Mission Impossible films, he can never eat it because he's got to be in physical, like, perfection. Yeah. And so he sends it to people he's worked with and friends as a gift every Christmas so he can live vicariously knowing people are eating this cake. And I made it onto that fucking list. <laughs> so I get a cake every year from Tom Cruise. Wow. That is so weird. Wow. Yeah. 
Jesus Christ. So that, that to answer your question, so it's not just me bragging about getting a fucking cake. Oh, mate, you, um, you can brag all day long. <laughs> mate. We're, we're here for these stories. They'll go bloody great in the trailer. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things to go from being the guy who was like overwhelmed by shaking Tom Cruise's hand like as a 20-year-old to sort of like as a 35, 40-year-old sort of like getting a cake from him. It's like then you pinch yourself and go... That's just insane. Yeah, yeah, fucking hell. I bet you never get used to it, do you? No, or, not or, do, really. or do you strut about now, like, yeah, me and Tom Cruise are bezies? <laughs> 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 That's what you do with your bass. So. Oh, God. <laughs> the awkward thing is, yeah, like, you, you might have experienced this, right? I've done, I can count on one hand how many times I've done, like, an interview with Gervais or done a video with him, right? And oh, he is my comedy hero, and I have a lot of his mannerisms, and yada, yada, yada. But because... Everyone knew this online that, that he was my big guy that I, I aspire to be like. When we did do stuff together, and from that moment on, I get asked about him all the time. Now, obviously, that's what people are going to want to be interested in. Like, we're interested in all your celebrity stories and whatnot. But when they take, like, would they'll do an interview with me and, and they'll take that one line and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've, done a few things with Gervais and they, they twist it like Jack mate on um, being best mates with Ricky Gervais. I imagine that he sat at home going what the fuck is going on like, and he does come up a lot on, on this show but in, in kind of like natural ways like that but do, yeah. you, feel, do you feel that? Yeah I was uh, I was doing a, there's a, a festival every year that Soho House does called House Festival and they asked me to introduce a band I can't for the life of me remember who it was it's for, for argument's sake let's say it was the Kaiser Chiefs mm. but it was a band and they introduced me on stage to introduce the Kaiser Chiefs and really all it needs because it's the Kaiser Chiefs moment mm. and all it needs is here to introduce the Kaiser Chiefs Alex Zane and they went here to introduce the Kaiser Chiefs this is echoing around the festival here to introduce the Kaiser Chiefs friend of Tom Cruise <laughs> it's Alex Zane I'm like what the fuck I mean not only is that not relevant at all but also that is not what I'm defined by yeah, they've boiled you down to somebody <laughs> that you know we've got, we've got a lot here but we're, we're short on time so let's just cross 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 works for TV. Boring. <laughs> Friends with Tom Cruise. Say that. You know, after this, someone will finally change your Wikipedia, and that's all it's going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Friend with Tom Cruise. Yeah. You've, you've, these these events, mate. You 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 smash them every time I've seen you. you fucking model pro. But I've never seen you. I've heard that you've. And this could be bad research, but I've heard that you've done the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Golden Globes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's next level gravy, that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's great. Mm. Uh, it's, again, it's that weird thing because on paper it sounds like fucking hell, yeah. the Oscars. But in reality, um, although I'm going to say this, so we were in LA for the Oscars, uh, this year, just gone. So yeah. we were on top of the Hotel Roosevelt, which is on Hollywood Boulevard, literally opposite the auditorium. I've never been inside the Oscars. Right. I've never sat there and watched the Oscars. And I've learned not to go. So I'm hosting the Oscars this year because people go, what? Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I'm hosting the TV coverage of the Oscars on Sky Cinema or Sky <laughs> Movies. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I think I'm hosting the fucking Oscars. Mm. But uh, but yeah, this year we did it from, uh, from LA. A-, a lot of years... It's quite hard work because you don't start time difference wise. You start at midnight and you're in a studio uh, at Sky Studios in southwest London. Mm. And it's like the glamour is sort of there on the screen, but not really in the room when Mm. you're drinking coffee at four in the morning. I mean, the only good, not the only good thing, but the best thing, the thing that really woke us up was when they got the fucking wrong envelope that year because that was our last award and everyone was dead in the studio, and suddenly you've got people in the gallery, and people are freaking out because you can hear them in the gallery 
in Los Angeles, and like you know, they're, they're like shit, shit, and people in Sky are going. I think there's a bomb threat or something. Something's going off, and then it was wow. that fucking envelope gate. So that wakes you up. What was that again? I definitely that recall was, it, but I can't. Was that remember. La La Land. That was the that was the big La La Land moonlight controversy where. Did, what did they get the wrong? The, <laughs> the, the story is quite funny. So it, it is the epitome of you had one fucking job. There's a guy there from an accountancy firm who has a briefcase with all the envelopes in and he hands them to the presenters as they walk on stage. And he handed Warren Beatty the wrong envelope uh, and it was the envelope for a previous award, a duplicate envelope, and it said um, Emma Stone on it from La La Land. She'd already picked up her award. Mm. And so he's out there and he uh, he sort of reads it and it's, it's not the right award. And the reason the guy gave him the wrong envelope was because he was doing f- f- selfies of Emma Stone backstage. <laughs> so literally, he was half-arsing it completely. He was there trying to get himself in the picture with Emma Stone behind him and going... Oh, my God. And he was posting them at exactly the moment that the wrong award was read out. <laughs> yeah, that's, Wow. Uh, I don't think that company does it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. When, when you're hosting a night like, like that or a red carpet event in Leicester Square, as a presenter, what... You have so much going on, don't you? You have people talking to you in your ear, and like what? So, talk us through what would be expected if there's any like young kids out there that might want to do presenting. I know I've dabbled in it a little bit, and I didn't realize just how hard it is. Mm. So, what kind of things do you have to like think of when you when you're presenting? Uh, it's, I mean, it's it, it's a weird one because there are so many different ways to present i mean the the things that we're talking about the premieres and stuff that's live presenting that sort of big star big events and like that i mean it, it's all weirdly enough it's all really easy to pick up it's uh, you know it, it's the it takes more effort to start a, a, a boulder moving than it does to keep it moving so once you're actually in there people can teach you the skills mm. that you need to be a presenter it's getting in in the first place and i've always said you know i mean i've ended up doing exactly what i want which is talk about films mm. and I do think that the best way to enter presenting now, because I think that those halcyon days of like, hey, it, well, if you want to be a presenter, just send us you talking to camera and, and come on and, and host Dancing on Ice or mm. whatever. I think really now the way to break through is to talk about something that you know a shitload about and right. be an expert in your field. Mm. Because I think 90% of the presenters that you see on TV now are presenters talking about something they know inside out, whether it's nutrition, whether it's property, whatever it is, history, like music. And mm. I think know that subject matter and that's your way in. But you also need to have some like actual skill, don't you? Like rather than just being knowledgeable on the thing, because like mm. you're a very good talker, mm. like that, and 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 like you're a ha- handsome chap and stuff like that. So so how much? Well, actually, actually, as we're <laughs> as we're as we're onto this, I think I've told you this before. I don't know if you remember, right? Um, when I first got with my partner Fiona, who's outside now, uh, <laughs> oh, she's just written on the screen. Don't you dare! <laughs> you know I have to now, and, and then and then you're going to have to meet Alex when he comes out of this room, Fiona. <laughs> what are you going to say? She said, "OMG!" OMG. <laughs> so um, we'd been together about three, four months. I did. I didn't actually. I'm speaking directly to Fiona now. This is how professional I am, Fee. I didn't tell you I was going to tell you tell this story in the car because I know you'd have told me not to, but I'm going to. We when me and Fee first got together we played that game where it was like oh if you could sleep with anyone like and you have to have a pass oh your list yeah and i went i was like right because lads have to play it quite carefully because in in case they miss his proper kickoff so i was like right i'll go for someone who is like unobtainable uh, yeah (laughs) you know where this is going already i went margot robbie 
I was like, oh, I don't mind a bit of Robbie. She went for Alex Zane. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Zane. And I thought, okay, right, that's, that's all right. Like, still a, still a celebrity, still probably unobtainable. Then you do a podcast in the same, the same fucking place as us. <laughs> she put, fuck's sake, wedding is off. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking hell. I don't even know how I got onto that. What was the question? Yeah, bloody looks, you dashing bastard. <laughs> How, how important is it to be able to like speak well and stuff to, like that? To look good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have to? Can you? Can you learn to yes. speak well? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you can. I mean, I mean, I mean, not just to, to throw it back at you, but mm. like uh, when you started, when you first started doing um, your videos, mm. do you think you were as good then as you are now? No right. shit. Exactly. And yeah. I, I, I've still got the screen test that I did at MTV. <laughs> this is mm. this is, again. This is the ridiculous arrogance sometimes that you need to do this in the first place, and you do. I mean, that's one thing you have to have so much fucking self belief to actually like have the confidence to do this. But I watched it thinking, but I was good back then. It's fucking awful. Yeah, it's, un- it's unwatchable, and I just can't believe that I got the job mm. and then managed to stay in it long enough to actually learn the skills of the trade. But no, you. I, I think if someone like has them already and can put a tape and is good, someone should mm. hire them. <laughs> but then when you look back on old stuff, you you should look back at with a bit of cringe because then that shows progression like if you look back on something you if i look back at my first video and thought that's a cracker that like and it's just downhill from there well, that's the thing like people sometimes are like do you do you watch yourself or uh, do you watch your old shows mm. do you watch your shows back after they've just gone out and i'm like yeah absolutely i do and it's not it's, it's not a vanity thing it's mm. like i'm doing it to see what i did well and what i did bad so you know right. when i've got a lot of friends around and they're all having a good time i'll turn the music off i'll tell them to shut up and i'll put on a show <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, what? Watch this, because uh, I think this is actually really good. <laughs> Put on balls of steel episodes, <laughs> two thousand and five. The last time I went to yours, we watched your videos for about an hour straight. <laughs> Did we? Yes, sat in your living room. You just kept going, oh, oh, roast my viewers part two. What a classic. Let's put that on. No shame in that. I've done the same. I've done the same, except that mine are from about a decade ago. So I'm going, oh, I remember when I did this. No, we don't. I never, I never saw this. Well, this will be amazing. Then you're gonna, This will be a first time for you. Sit back, enjoy this. People are like, I just came around for a drink. And it's like, yeah, well, you can still have your fucking drink. Just watch this. Watch and drink. I can't believe I did that. I'm sorry. That's all right. I, I do enjoy your content occasionally thank you on on the way back from london today we're yep. gonna just play this podcast back and okay. me and you are gonna be cracking up fiona's in the back you can sit in the front right? okay good. and we'll just laugh at ourselves yeah i'm okay with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by twizzlers long day late night feeling a little bored Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. When you watch yourself back, Alex, how do you know? This might sound like a simple question, but how do you know when you've done a good job at presenting? That's a great question. Um, 
I, I don't really, I don't know how to answer that. I think you can just tell. I think it's like, you know, like uh, with an actor hitting their marks or whatever, I think you just sort of like know whether you've delivered a joke. It, again, it completely varies mm. from job to job. Like the premieres we were talking about, it's literally just like not fucking up in yeah. front of a, a, a packed Leicester Square mm. and saying the wrong thing to have, a star. Have you had many moments where you've looked back and gone, why did I say that? Yeah, absolutely. I was interviewing, um, although I'd, I'd still argue that this isn't my fault. I, I was interviewing <laughs> Nicole Kidman uh, for, I don't know if you ever saw uh, the movie Australia, uh, the one with Hugh Jackman. With Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was interviewing her for that. And I think it got lost in translation in some way. I don't think, I think words mean different things to certain people or maybe in like different countries. In that movie, she's in period dress and she is wearing uh, what I describe as a corset. So I said to her on stage, I was like, so obviously you said yes to this movie. You'd worked with Baz Luhrmann, the director, before when it was 100 degrees and you were wearing a corset. I mean, did you ever think, oh, I wish, wish I'd thought about it a bit longer? And she went, what? I went, uh, when, uh, when you were wearing a, a, a corset and it was 100 degrees, did you ever sort of question your decision? She was like, I didn't wear a corset in this. I was like, what? No, the, the thing that you were wearing, she was like, are you saying I wore a corset in this movie? I'm like, I think you did. And she went, ah, Baz and grabs the microphone off me and starts shouting across Leicester Square to the director, Baz Luhrmann. Baz! Baz! Come here and tell this man I didn't wear a corset in the movie! And I'm, at that point, I just had my head in my hands going, because everyone can hear it, it's echoing around the square. Baz! 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 Yeah. <laughs> Come here! 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 Tell this man! 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 I'm like, what is happening? Uh, but I think. So this is on stage? This is on stage. This is live in Leicester Square. So was she wearing a corset? I guess I, maybe it's a bodice. No, that's all I can think. But it's a fucking corset. Yeah, fucking hell. Do you get do you get nervous when you interview people like that? The most nervous I've ever been, uh, just to, uh, just because we were talking about them already, mm. is uh, I was doing an interview with Tom Cruise on top of the IMAX cinema mm. uh, in London. You know, the big sphere, uh, th- the big thing in the middle of the, the junction. It's a huge building. Mm-hmm. And we were on top of that. And they were doing going to this brilliant shot with London in the background, really high up, Mission Impossible film. So danger, danger, danger. Mm. Obviously not danger, but actually real danger mm. because the gantry that we were standing on hadn't been used for 10 years. And this health and safety guy was like, I'll let you go out there, both you and Tom, but... You have to wear this harness thing and be linked onto it in case it collapses because no one uses it. Mm. I'm like, well, great, that's made me feel safe. Mm. And so we go out there and I'm standing waiting for Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise bounds out and the guy goes, just going to put this harness on you? And he goes, no, 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 and knocks the harness away and walks straight out onto the gantry because he's Tom Cruise and he's not going to wear a harness. Mm. At that point, I hear the health and safety guy go, I'm out and walk oh. back inside. Tom Cruise gets on this gantry and he's like, this is cool. This is really cool, isn't it? And starts shaking this gantry that is suspended oh over God. the road from side to side. And I can see plumes of dust like from, coming from the bolts, like rust snapping. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I was in, you know when adrenaline hits you and you're in hysterics? Mm. And I was just in hysterics, which he then took as this is brilliantly funny. I'm going to carry on doing it. And I'm trying, stop! 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 And he's like, ha, 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 ha! shaking this gantry. And all I can think is, if this collapses and we both fall to our deaths, yeah. no one's going to know I've died. <laughs>
<laughs> oh god, that's, that's quite interesting that you've said your most nervous moment was nothing to do with interviewing. Yeah, at that, all. yeah, that's yeah, that's what I picked up on. Yeah, that, that's what always surprises me when I meet like an actual presenter or an interviewer because I first, oh here we go, literally going back to what I said a minute ago when I first interviewed Ricky Gervais, uh, I was shitting myself, and the first eight minutes of that interview is the shittest stuff ever. Like, I warmed up and it got okay by the end, but that's why when I look at people like yourself and people who do these, like, press junkets for a living, it amazes me, like, how calm and composed you you seem. Now, I know, I know you're a bit older than me, you've been in the game longer and, and whatnot, but do, do you never get, like, a bit trembly before a big, big name? Yes. It's the, it's the honest answer, yes. I mean, it, it, normally... It's all sort of, it's all lovely. You know, it's rainbows and unicorns and everything's fine. But occasionally you are walking into a situation and there are certain people who are notoriously difficult to interview. Mm. So I, just last year, I had to do a, an interview with Joaquin Phoenix for The Joker. Wow. Who is, he's a scary person. Not a, he's not a scary, he is a scary, I don't know why. He is a scary <laughs> person. He's a terrifying person to interview. He seems like a lot of hard work. He's intense and, you know, he's very thoughtful and, you know, I don't begrudge him any of that because, it's, you know, that's who he is. But as an interviewer, that's pretty scary. And when I sat down to interview him, I think he'd got it into his head that maybe we were a, a news outlet, like Sky News or something, and he was thought it was going to be because there was a lot going on about the Joker and how it was uh, going to inspire gun crime and all sorts. Oh, so and, he thought you were going to do like a hit piece or something? Yeah, so he was really... So I was like, have you told him that we're not those people? And they're like, yeah, 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 but I, just if it's a bit weird at the start, if mm. it's a bit weird at the start, that's why. I'm yeah. like, fucking A, great. So <laughs> he sits down... And I'm like, just so you know, Joaquin, uh, this is all about the movies. We're a, a, a movie channel, Sky Cinema, or movies, whatever you fancy, Joaquin. It's up to you. Uh, just, you know, it's just about movies. Scott and he's, said that. he's like, all right, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I'm like, great, great. So it's going to be about 15 minutes long. And he went, we'll see. Oh my God. <laughs> and at that point, I went, oh, fuck me, this is going to be hard. But actually, he was fine in the end. It was just, wow. of all the things, of all the people who mm. could be... It's going to be 15 minutes, 50 lovely, 15 lovely minutes, Joaquin. Yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know. Oh, my God. Like, see, that's when I would have crumbled. <laughs> that's, I, I've only ever done one press junket, and I don't know why I got given the job or, or why. It was actually just for a mate, really. And uh, it was for Ted 2. Okay. And I, um, I mean, you've done a hundred of these things, so you know exactly how they work. Um, but I had five minutes with um, four of the actors and the first one was Mark Wahlberg. And it was the one I didn't want first because I was like, I want to warm up. So I imagine Seth MacFarlane's going to be nice. I'll get him done and then I'll get to Mark Wahlberg. And I walked in as like, oh God, when was this? About four years ago, this sweaty ginger lad. And um I sh they, they were like, you get 30 seconds to say hello and 30 seconds afterwards, but you get the five minutes in the middle. And I, I went, Mark, nice to meet you. Just quick chat. Um, just yeah, so standard stuff. And he was like, yeah, no worries. And then, I, and then they were like, right, you go. And we're on camera. And I went, Mark, lovely to meet you. And I outstretched my hand and he just looked at me, didn't put his hand out and just went, but we already shook hands already. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm not equipped to deal with this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a YouTuber. He's been fucking sat here. And then somebody else asked me if I would ask, um, her name's just escaped me, Fee. Um, Amanda, Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. Yeah. You've, you, have you heard about her tattoo that she's got? No. So she has a tattoo um, of the word minge. 
on her on her foot. So <laughs> one of my mates just basically said that you wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't say, "Can I see your minge?" So, <laughs> so and the thing the thing was, I, I wouldn't do it now. I wouldn't do it now. I've learned mistakes. I, I've learned from you know about this, don't you? Yeah, I'm just trying to think whether you've been invited to do any other press junkets. <laughs> one and done. One and done. But yeah, no. So I sat down and um, I'd I'd researched it she's she'd been asked it before and she was fine so i was like it's probably going to be fine but it will score me a lot of points with my mate so i'm going to do it but i forgot that all the camera guys in the room they don't know what you're gonna what you're gonna say so i've just gone amanda is it okay if we can see you binge and i've just heard people go what like what's going on and she's looked at me for what seemed like an eternity and then she showed me the tattoo uh, on her foot have you uh, give us some horror stories so you don't have to name anyone alex you don't have to name anyone you're still in the game but uh yeah there's there are there are there are there are difficult people i'm just trying to think if if i've got one that uh that i can that works without knowing who the Mm. person is is but I, they all require me to name the person. But right, uh, but okay. Yeah, it's just sometimes you have strange experiences with people who you think are going to be great. I mean, mm. like, often it's not them. Like uh, with Amanda Seyfried, weirdly enough, we were doing a, an interview for oh gosh, what was it? Was it maybe was it Les Miserables? And um, and she was like, we have because we do a massive setup at Sky with a camera that tracks round and it's a wide shot. And it, she wanted to wear a coat. She was like, it's cold in here. Can I wear my coat? And my mm. producer went, oh, I'm sorry, we've got a wide shot. Uh, so it won't look great if you've got your coat on or over your knees or anything. And right. her PR just shouts in the back of the room, if Amanda wants to wear a coat, she's going to wear a fucking coat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Like, but again, that's not her. And it's, yeah. it's often the people who surround these people that you like, yeah. you make it look, you make them look worse. Yeah. Yeah, they get sort of, what is the word, molly, molly cuddled or something? Molly cuddled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the, one of my first ever interviews I did was with Leona Lewis, and um, I was shitting myself for that. I was probably about 19, something like that. And I remember I got to the YouTube studio place where we were doing it, and they were like, can we see your questions? So I handed her manager the question, and she just took out a pen and just went, no, 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 yeah. no. Left me for about two, and I was about to do the interview. So I just went in and just asked all the questions anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've got nothing else, so I'm just going to do it. And she was absolutely fine. Yeah. So, you, yeah, I can it's, see. It's often the way. It's weird sometimes. There is one big A-list actor who, um, who when you, you I've done him at premieres, and when you do him, He's the only one I've ever had this with where you have to send the questions in advance. He won't he won't do an interview on stage. And these are these are little silly questions, you know. It's a premiere, so they're very not silly questions, but they're very light. Like what was it like working with so and so? What can fans expect from the movie? Very basic stuff. Mm. But he has to have them in a list beforehand and he wants to know what they are and you have to read them in that order because he works out all his answers beforehand. He cannot answer spontaneously wow and so he comes out and he walks on stage and I've, i you know he's a big star so i'm like right i got this I'm just going to ask those questions and he comes on and before i uh before i asked the first question i went how are you and he looked fucking livid <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't on the list wow. how are you wasn't the list and he was like uh uh and i was like oh, come on yeah. how are you i didn't need to write that improv it yeah. <laughs> wow what's the you, how about your best interview then ever who's who's somebody that's like great can i can i name you some names like and you don't yeah. have to tell me if they're bastards okay but you can just tell me if they're amazing and if you skip the fact that they're amazing, <laughs> then I'll just take it that they're a bastard. Uh, the Rock, he seems like it'd be fun. Yeah, The Rock's brilliant. The yeah. Rock is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he 
he's he's great fun. And yeah, uh, yeah from the from the the first time I ever met him, he, he was great as well. Right. For, um, I don't know if you've ever seen what was it called here? Welcome to the Jungle. It was called The Rundown in the US. Right. Amazing action movie, and I did him for that as a as an interviewer. He speaks in sound bites. He will speak for literally about 30 seconds. And when you've got like four minutes with someone, yeah. it's like, fuck, you know this game from the off. So yeah. yeah, he's lovely. The Rock's lovely. Perfect. We had um, a guy called Tubes in here who, um, mm-hmm. you, you know Tubesy? Tubes? From Soccer AM. From Soccer AM, yeah. yeah I, was, I was a bit cautious because you said you weren't a football fan, so I don't know if you'd yeah. know. But he he's done a lot of press junkets back in the day. He Was it Denzel, Denzel Washington, Washington that he said was the nicest man? Have you... Absolutely, yeah. So I interviewed Denzel in New York. We did this big career retrospective where we play a a, a star, like moments, the best moments from their movie life on a big screen and we sit and we go through it. It's great fun. Mm. And I was sort of quite nervous um, with Denzel because he's just a a big star and Mm. I'd met him once before and he was in the middle of shooting and it had sort of been fine, but we'd we'd only had a very short interview. And so I went over to him just before the interview, before he sat in the seat, and I went, hey, Denzel, great to have you here. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember, uh, but we met on the set of The Equalizer 2 just uh, about four months ago. And he looked at me and went, no, I don't. <laughs> and that That's was a, it. Wow. And that was all he said. And I walked to him and I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, because we've got an hour with him, a fucking hour of that. <laughs> a fucking hour of that. But actually, he was fine. He was just warming up. He ended his coffee. And when he sat down, genuinely a phenomenal human being. And like, by the end, he didn't want to leave. He yeah. was like watching all his old movies that- going, fucking that one. <laughs> Tube, Tube said that he was one of the ones where his team came up and said, don't do any of that, don't do any of that. And then Cause apparently... Because basically, basically Tubes would do like silly shit, like put potato in his mouth and like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then, yeah, he said that after the interview, Denzel had him like by in a headlock, like taking him out jokingly, and everyone was just looking, going, "What on earth is going on here? How, yeah. are, they, how are they friends?" <laughs> I, lo- I love stories like that. That's the thing. It's like I, I feel so much for those people who are required by whatever channel they're doing it for or wherever they're doing it, where they've had to go in and do stupid stuff because mm. that's that's when you're putting your life on the line and yeah. you can just go tits up and you can be in hell and everyone's going why the fuck did you do that mm. i remember once having to interview bruce willis and uh before me in the queue were little ant and deck from <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Night takeaway <laughs> yeah. and this was quite a serious movie i can't i think it was surrogates this really awful sci-fi movie that he'd done but anyway they were ahead of me <clears throat> in the queue and um and they were all like yeah we're going in beach willis and they were being psyched up by their producers like oh have fun do your shtick mm. what Fuck knows what they did, but they went in, and about two minutes later, not five minutes, not ten minutes, two minutes later, they came out and they were crying. What? <laughs> <laughs> they were in tears. And I was like, I was like, cool, so I'm up next. And I walk in, and Bruce Willis is just sitting there. And I sit down, and he goes, he goes, are your questions about the fucking movie or not? <laughs> oh, like, my God. Yes, they are. <laughs> Starting off on the back foot. Fucking hell. Talking about crying, that was pretty much me after the Mark Wahlberg one, really. But we had um, Freddie Flintoff was there to interview him as well. Yeah. And when I went in, as I said, the only one I've ever done, so I was big-eyed and fucking excited but nervous. And um, I was just like hanging on Wahlbergs everywhere. Yeah, yeah, okay, brilliant, yeah. And then I got the five minutes in, came out, and... Um, it was then Freddie Flintoff's turn to go in and I thought Mark Wahlberg was a bit of a prick, right? You can no comment that, Alex. I'm not trying to get that out of you, but that's my opinion. And uh, Freddie went in and I was thinking, I wonder if he's just going to be like just so much better than me as he's done it and he's probably not a starstruck. And he came out two minutes later and I was just like, what the fuck? He went, yeah, the guy's a fucking knobhead. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fair fucking play. Fair play. Alex, um, you host Clash of the Titles. I do, yes. A podcast here at Stakhanov, which is on our network as well. You've been doing it a year today. I know. I honestly didn't know that. You told me when we came in. I was like, fantastic. That's great. A year old. Mm, 30th yeah. of July. Fantastic. If you didn't yeah. know the date. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to run through the little synopsis? If anyone out there hasn't, hasn't heard it. Uh, it is where we take two movies that have something in common and pit them against each other each week to see which one is the better film. So prime example is uh, we did Street Fighter, the movie, versus Mortal Kombat, oh. the movie. Uh, we did uh, Deep Blue Sea, uh, Massive Killer Aquatic Animal Sharks, mm-hmm. versus Anaconda, Massive Killer Aquatic Animal Snake. Right. And so it's things like that. And we basically talk about the movie, take the piss out of the movie if it's shit, or like, and, you know, you find out a lot about these movies and how they were made. And, you know, it's talking about movies. So if you're a movie fan, it will really appeal. If you hate movies, it's probably not the podcast for you. <laughs> I reckon you re- recommend you check it out thoroughly. I think we're going to try and play a little version of that now, shall we? Yeah, I'm used to being judged in the most negative light on this show. And now we have... I. I class you as a bit of a movie expert, oh, so... Oh, yeah, well, I should hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> profession. But, like, as in... If your opinion's going to matter more than when people tell me they don't like that I get a popcorn and a meal deal. <laughs> well, what, before we get on to that, actually, because I want to pick your brain, what did you think of Joker? Loved it. Really yeah. loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I, I, I sat down with Todd Phillips, the director, mm. and I was, uh, I, I was a bit careful about what I wanted to say. I found it, like, hilarious. <laughs> like, I thought it was really funny. Mm. Like, I thought there were moments in it, and bleakly funny and darkly funny and, like, horribly funny. Mm. But funny, just at moments, you just can't believe what you're watching. Yeah. And I said that to him. I was like, I kind of see it as a comedy. And he was like, well, that's because you're a freak like me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll take that. But yeah, I loved it. Did you like it? I absolutely love it. Mm. It's like one of my favourite films ever. But I, I'm i not a film critic. I don't know what makes a good film, really. I'm just one of these people that goes, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I feel it's one of these films that people are, kind of feel cool to dislike. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's one of those where it, I mean it depends where you where you stand on on a few things, but there are arguments for why it's 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 bad morally uh, and what it might have incited. But again, I think what happened with Joker is that the press like got their got this bit in their mouth about the idea that it was going to incite gun violence. And from that, they created this narrative like that, you know, cinemas are going to be adding more security. You know, this is people are going to be committing crimes because, uh, you know, cinemas, there's there's the potential that maybe, you know, they'll have a repeat of what happened in the, I think it was the Dark Knight Rises in the US where someone someone, um, opened fire in a cinema and they were going and and the film knows what it's doing and it's responsible. So if anything bad happens, nothing happened because Mm. it it wasn't going to do that but again it's about creating a narrative in the press and then doubling down on that narrative most people are, 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 are like sane enough to separate the art from from do you know what i mean like I was, it's like the people that oh if you play gta you're going to go out and run people over it's like no only people that are wired to do that anyway are going to do that yeah. you don't need to watch a movie to tell you to do it and also only when i feel that i've overpaid for a prostitute <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking! <laughs> what is, before we play the game, what is your favourite film? I feel like I should know it, but I don't know it. What is your favourite film of all time? Uh, my favourite film of all time is Jaws. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Do, you know the, do you know the YouTuber Jack Howard at all? 
I, I do, yes. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he's been banging on about that a lot recently. He's a, fr- he's a friend of mine, and I was going to suggest, you, you mentioned before we came on air that you, you don't watch many YouTubers. I'd definitely recommend him. Cause yeah, he's, I know, I, mm. I know Jack. Jack's lovely, and mm. he's probably been banging on about it because it had an anniversary recently. Oh, so right. It's, it's a, where, where are we now? 75, 45th, I think. It's 45th anniversary. But I've, I've never seen it. What? You've never seen Jaws? I will be honest, right, until I saw Jack Howard banging on about it, I thought it was a bit of like a gimmicky comedy type film because you know the shark's meant to look the the shark looks shit now doesn't it over so many years like i mean arguably the power of the movie Mm. is the fact that it doesn't because by the time you see it steven spielberg has built up such a level of terror by not showing you the shark that when it eventually appears at the back of the uh, the ship and like you're like there's the shark for the first time you were terrified because the groundwork has been done so you know it it could look like anything and still be scared but yeah i mean i'd argue that the shark in jaws is still more terrifying than any cgi sharks that you see floating around really well Mm. just because the way they build the tension and stuff yeah because because of the film itself because of the direction of the film yeah and the fact you don't see it for so long it's just this hidden threat i haven't been in the sea for since i was six years old which is when i first watched jaws got a tattoo my only tattoo is of a shark on my wrist oh wow to remind myself if i ever got drunk on a beach <laughs> like to not because you know when you get carried away you're drunk on a beach people are like well it's going to see it's got skinny dipping it's gonna be cool and you're like oh yeah i'm drunk enough got enough margarita in me that seems like a really fucking good idea all i need to do is look down and go nope and remember the sharks out there although i think it's quite unlikely well you say that but- that's that's what a phobia is i can get in a lake i mean i couldn't i couldn't have bubbles in the bath for about 10 years because I needed to be able to see the bottom in case a trapdoor opened and a shark swam up and death. <laughs> so, so Jaws gave you a genuine fear. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm and, part and of the generation that, like, you, it's genuinely affected by that movie. And yet it's still your favourite film. Because of that. Because of because, that. Because like, it evoked that emotion deep yeah, inside ha- How you. many films can actually force, like, something like that? Like, that's mental. Yeah. yeah. The only films that scare me, like are the ones where it's like people get possessed and shit and they get all bent up and it's filmed on like actual cameras and that they're the ones that don't scare me at all because it's unrealistic that Jaws is way scarier for the realism yeah, do do you like? Do, what are your what's your fear? People getting bent up and shit. What does that <laughs> being possessed. You know when like you see it's like it's like this really happened in America and there's like some woman. It's like usually like a nun with an upside down cross on her and then she'll like like a spine will snap and then she'll float up and that like do you know, just being possessed, Alex. Basically, uh, if that isn't a movie, it should be. So just, <laughs> All right, it's a movie I'm, that I'm writing. I'm just, painting, I'm just painting a picture. What I've got is a nun with an upside down cross and some. When spine snaps and they float up. Fuck yeah, that it's, is, it's a movie weird. that I'm writing. Who, yeah. who would you get to play the nun? Um, uh, anyone, anyone, oh, uh, yeah, anyone that's up for the part. Margot Robbie, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you can be in it as well, Thanks. right? And then me and Fiona will buy a ticket, definitely for different reasons. Uh, <laughs> we are going to play a little game of Clash of the the Titles, okay? But we could because we don't really know much about films. We haven't really picked a common denominator between the two films what we want to do yeah we're gonna we're basically just we're gonna have five rounds and we're gonna tell you they're some of my favorite movies they're some of stevie's favorite movies Mm -hmm. and you have to tell us which one you think is the better movie okay and we'll obviously have a winner because it's an odd number right now we're gonna go for we'll go for the first one first because i think it's obvious because we've already spoken about it okay so our common denominator in this one is an outstanding performance from the main actor so not necessarily the films aren't similar at all 
but I wanted my film in there and we couldn't find anything else to match it with. Um, so you go for... Um, we'll tell you who's who on this one because you're going to know. Uh, mine was Joker. Right. And mine was Ray. Okay. Uh, which do I think is the better film in that instance? Yeah. yeah. Personally, I prefer Joker. Oh, Joker okay. Over, I think Ray's great and uh, Jamie Foxx is fantastic in it, but, uh, you know, Whacking Phoenix in uh, in Joker is a, a revelation. Mm, phenomenal. I've never, se- I've never seen Ray. I feel like I need to watch it. it. Oh, it's you bang on about, but you bang on about it a lot, but you're one of the only people that I hear bang on about it. So I'm thinking, is it a shit movie that you love? I, don't, I like Ray Charles. Is it a good which, movie, Alex? It is a good movie, yeah. It's a great movie and a great performance. Jamie Foxx got an Oscar for it. Did. Oh, did he? Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to think it's fairly good. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Sold. You know, those, uh, you, know, you know those things they hand out for really, really good. <laughs> those little gold men. And the other thing I like about it is that in, in those kind of biopics, normally you don't get the main actor singing it or play, and he's playing the piano. He is singing. Like, it's like he is... Wow. Doing all of that. Mm, I found out a cool movie fact last night. You know, in Fight Club, um, Jared Leto's in, mm-hmm. in, in that. Uh, there's Brad Pitt says to him at one point um, that we're all conditioned to believe that the things we see on TV are what we, what we will become. Mm-hmm. We won't become millionaires, movie stars or rock stars. And he says it's a Jared Leto, which I thought was fucking cool. Because <laughs> he's, he's become he's, all, all three. three yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next one says so one nil me. All right, no. I'm, I'm ready for a five nil thrashing. The next one, we, uh, do, do you do you believe in the rest of these choices that are, are yours? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling that you don't. I feel like. Oh no, I, I like this one. Okay. It's comparison wise. We've got a Tarantino battle now. Right. Are you a Tarantino fan? Like Tarantino, yeah. Yeah, yeah I made him cry once. G- come on then. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't say that and not tell us. Just recline this seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was the weirdest thing. I, I, I like, yeah. I've never seen, I've never had it before. And we were chatting and I was like, what does it mean to you? He just, uh, Christoph Waltz had just been nominated for his second Oscar for Django Unchained. Mm. Uh, for, and he'd obviously won for um, Inglorious Bastards. And I was like, to Tarantino, I was like, what does it feel like to you as the man who has written two roles specifically for Christoph Waltz and he's won one Oscar and been nominated for a second for your writing and your relationship with him as an actor and you as the writer. And he just went, I've just never heard it put like that. <laughs> I've never heard it put like that. And I'm like, are you crying because I've said you're great? <laughs> <laughs> so Tarantino. Uh, I'm Django versus Reservoir Dogs. Oh, that's a tough one. I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs in years. Um, I think... Honestly, oh god, wow, tough one because Reservoir Dogs is like was my introduction to Tarantino. Django Unchained is fucking brilliant. Uh, I, I think for pure enjoy, no Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yes. <laughs> two 0 It's one of my favourite films ever. Yeah, it's a great. Mm. Film. It's a great film. The, Stop I, putting that gun in my dad. <laughs> love that bit. The next one is I don't know what the comparison. What, what the um... uh, big twist? Oh, okay. They All both right. have quite a big twist in them. That read them out, son. Uh, we've got. Gone Girl versus The Prestige. Oh. We're assuming you've seen all of yeah, these. Yeah, no, so. I, I have seen. I've seen both of those. These are really good choices. Did, and you, did you did you pick them together or did you pick them individually and bring separately? Them together? And then we tried to find the. That's why Joker and Ray is a bit. I think yeah. different ones are bi- biopic, bi- biopic. Yeah, however you say it. You know, it's weird. I had an argument with someone on Twitter about that. Not that I have arguments on Twitter very often. And I, I know you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Someone was like, uh, "Can you stop fucking calling it a biopic? It's a biopic." And I'm like. 
Fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Then I, then I said biopic a lot more. Uh, so I'm going to go with um, oh, Gone Girl, I think. I, I'm going to leave. 3 0. 3 0. But the prestige is phenomenal. Not and seen I, it. A lot of people are going to, if anyone's a movie fan, it's arguably, arguable that I've made the wrong decision, but personally, I just love Gone Girl. Mm. I love Fincher. The Prestige is one of my favourite films ever, but I love Gone Girl as well, so it was a hard one to go up against, but that's all right. Do you want, do you want two more chances to lose? We're fine. Well, you, well, yeah, you can't bring it back, but we'll do them, we'll do them anyway. It's not hot enough in here, is it? So, uh, <laughs> the next one uh, is, is, is a comedy uh, versus a comedy. That's the only common denominator there. The Hangover. Okay. For the first one versus Life of Brian. Wow. I love The Hangover. Um, and Life of Brian is a classic. I mean, I think I'm going to have to. I love The Hangover. It hasn't dated well. If you rewatch The Hangover now, there are some questionable moments in that. Yeah, uh, I, I watched it the other week. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I don't know that Bradley Cooper now would make a movie which opens with him going paging Doctor Faggot. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's a that's, that's a big ass now. Um, so I'm going to go Life of Brian. Oh, you pull one back. There it you is. Pull one back. And the last one: um, musicals. Star is Born versus Greatest Showman. I am one of those people that absolutely loved The Greatest Showman, and it was—it's a fascinating story because it flopped on release, and then it just stayed around, stayed around. People are insane about that movie, and Hugh Jackman is one of the nicest guys in show business, and. So what you're saying there is Bradley Cooper's a bastard. That's, what <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the podcast, Katie, please. Thank you. <laughs> I sat down with him. I sat down with uh, Hugh Jackman and we watched, we were sat in this cinema at Sky, uh, Sky Cinema slash movies and we, they have this huge <laughs> cinema there and we sat there and watched um, all his favourite musical moments and I've never seen a guy sort of forget, he, he loves musicals so much, I've never seen a guy forget he was being interviewed because I'm like, so tell me about this movie. He's like, Al- Alex, shut up, shut up, just watch this bit. And <laughs> He's, and he does this thing where he claps his hands together and points to the screen. He's like, look at that. <laughs> look at that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, when did you first watch? Yeah, hang on this bit, this bit. And I'm like, wow, this is great. But he fucking loves his musicals and he's lovely. So the great showman. Oh, wow. Look at that. That was, that was like me when I was showing you my videos the other day. Look at that. Look at this bit. Look how I call this person a cat. <laughs> so, Jack, have you got any for shut up? <laughs> oh, cool. I've had a lot of fun today. I've had a lot of fun. It's I been good. Too. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome back on whenever you want, sir. Whenever you want. Well, um, notes of use didn't take any notes let us know what yeah tell us what notes you've done um, come on uh, they're not great uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I mean as you can see i thought uh, i did my research because i was i thought you'd be like so youtube uh, let, let, what, what, well we what, didn't actually talk about no, youtube at all yeah. what do you know about youtube and i was like um i was gonna uh, be the old man of the show and sort of go i i still enjoyed it when youtube was in its infancy sneezing panda's very funny oh my god <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell but you had to cover all of that stuff for youtube well, yeah. exactly. Yeah, mm. that's you know when I when we started we started in two thousand and six, so it only been on only been active for what a year. So, oh wow! So yeah, we were the very first YouTube was two thousand and six at uh, YouTube rather. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So it was all that stuff that now. I, I was interested to know like whether they've all fallen out of like the most popular videos or whether just time means that the ones that were big then have carried on being the biggest videos, like the, the evolution of dance and all yeah, those that. Yeah, I bet that would have, that's probably fallen off a cliff, The only one, because I, I was fascinated to find out that I went through the top uh, 50 videos on YouTube that are non-music videos, mm. and like the top 25 are all 
Like nursery rhymes for fucking kids. Yeah. It's like four billion views for nursery rhymes. If we ever have you have you on again, I want to make a point of actually just having a big discussion about YouTube because okay, I yeah. bet I could tell you some stuff that would blow your mind. It would. Yeah. It would. I'm fascinated. I wish I'd learned more. So there, there you go. That's, yeah. that's the only problem I have that I don't feel I learned as much as I'd hoped to and these notes were worthless. We, we could have carried on <laughs> chatting for a lot longer, but I mean, it's fucking boiling I'm in here. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll call it a day. But Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure. Clash of the, the, the titles. <laughs> oh, I keep wanting to say titles. <laughs> um, out on uh, all good podcast providers, I believe, isn't it? So go, yeah, yeah. go, go check that out. We'd like to finish on, on the same question for season four. Alex Zane, what is the meaning of life? Uh, the meaning of life is have a good time all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. There we go. This has been Jack Mate's Happy Hour. Thanks for joining us. I've been Jack Mate. He's been Stevie. And that man over there has been Tom Cruise's best mate. So we'll see you, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Jack makes happy hour. This was a Stakhanov production.